I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I fake a smile, no. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and literally everywhere. Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set with the Texas Rangers splitting the series 2-2. I am Terry Cushman and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Liz Churchville. How are you guys? All right. That could be better. Could be better. Could be a lot worse. I feel like I feel like that's always how it is. Yeah. <laughs> At least this yeah. season for you guys. <laughs> we don't get to play the Royals every series, unfortunately. Weird series because if if Barnes doesn't cough up the save in game one, we're three to one coming out of it. But if the ninth inning goes bad, uh, we lose three to one. So definitely uh, a messy series. So Later than usual start, let's just get right into heroes and zeros. Uh, Jeremy, go ahead and lead off. Yeah, I'm I'm going with J.D. Um, this game tonight was hugely important. Um, the Rangers are the team. I can't, we're, I'm kind of resigning myself to the fact that I think we're, in, we're a wild card hunt type of team this year. Uh, so with that being said, uh, the Rangers are the team that are directly ahead of us. Uh, every win or loss against them is a full game in the wild card standing. So tonight was hugely important in my opinion. And when Price sucked in what was probably his most important start of the year, uh, to me, I, it looked like JD was the guy, the catalyst that said, "Not you know, we're not going to roll over and die here." So he. Hits a ball, uh, gets them on the board. Uh, I think that made it four-one. Uh, they, the Rangers tacked on two, but I think the message was sent that they weren't going to roll over and die. And I think it was a catalyst to what was really an entertaining baseball game, despite its length and um, its uh, a big win. I mean, it's just a huge win, and it was an exciting game. The Red Sox have been boring to watch. Not tonight. The game was exciting. He's two. Also, he's two for three in game one, two for four in game two. Uh, he did go zero for four yesterday before today, uh, one for four with the home run, and, and really set the table to what was a really exciting comeback. Yeah. Oh, and my final point is my final point is that if this team is gonna be 
even a wild card team or, or, or they're going to make the summer fun and interesting by at least being in the hunt. He has to be the catalyst to offense um, because he's your best run producer. He's easily your best offensive player, your most consistent offensive player. So his health, his consistent productivity is hugely important to this team moving forward as well. So anyways, JD's my hero. Excellent point. Went deep tonight. Uh, he has hit a, a couple other home runs recently, so he seems to be kind of bouncing back out of the uh, the slump that we saw, you know, from you know the third week of May forward. And uh, good point. You know, you need him and Mookie to kind of revert back at least close to 2018 form. You know, to to be able to contend this year because that's a you know huge difference between uh, last year and this year. Uh, Liz, any thoughts on JD? Uh, I mean, he's except for you know being out for a little while. I mean, he's been a constant. So, I mean, I, I totally agree with Jeremy. He he has to be he he has to continue to show up, and I think he will. You know, so I mean, he's going to be the driver you know, as far as everything goes. So, so no, nothing more to contribute than, than that. <laughs> All right. Well, who do you have this week? Uh, I mean, I, I'm going to pick a person. Uh, my hero is based off really just off this game. I mean, he's, he's a constant. I'm picking Xander Bogarts today, but uh, the main reason why I'm picking him is, uh, I mean, he was the reason why at least, you know, the Red Sox won the game tonight. Uh, he hit that home run over the monster, and it was awesome. And uh, then, thank God, the bullpen was able to hold off the Rangers, even though uh, the Rangers kind of came from behind, um, you know, in in their division. I mean, they were really stuck in at the beginning of the season, and then somehow they they uh, made a little bit of a comeback there. Obviously, they're still trailing quite quite a bit behind the Astros, but um, but they're making some moves, so they're certainly not laying down for anybody. But um, but, I mean, Xander really, you know, made a difference for us tonight, so that's why he's going to be my hero. Liz just said us when referencing the Red Sox. I'd, I'd like to point that out because there's been a <laughs> propaganda on Twitter uh, that she's somehow not a Red Sox fan, which I laugh at every single time I see. And I'd like to just – Terry, I don't know if you have the ability to cut that and we can use it as a drop later. <laughs> Uh, you know, so when next time she says something like, you know, the Reds, and we can just drop that on her when she's saying, like, you know, the catalyst for us tonight. I mean, that was <laughs> quite the moment, you know. So I'd like to highlight that Liz is now my hero for finally admitting that she's a Red Sox fan. The, the thing that the thing that was the most surprised, the look, Xander was five for four in an important part of the series, and just generally yeah. speaking, hugely important to this team. He's his OPS is up to nine ten which is second on the team by one uh, hundredth of a point who with J.D., who's 9-11. So there, look, there's no question that Bogarts is hugely important. I just want to point out one thing that Bogarts did tonight that I thought was interesting, and uh, I was kind of hopeful that it was a sign of things to come. On the pickoff play on Ronet Odor, with Smith pitching two outs after Cora came out uh, oh, before yeah. they intentionally walked Chu, the emotion that he showed when they he, when they when they thought they picked off Odor was like he gives a shit. I mean that was raw like elation emotion. That's a guy who wanted to win that game, who understood what that play could have meant. 
Um, and so for me, and, and look, I think it's one of the reasons why Bogarts is becoming the one of the leaders of this team if he isn't already a leader, um, because he does care, and he is one of the reasons when we do get back in this, and I hope that's what happens. Liz, I said we for all of us. <laughs> uh, when we get back in this, um, it, it, it's that sort of emotion, it's that sort of leadership that sort of uh, desire that's going to be necessary for this team to, to go run off like eight to 10 and become, you know, a, a team that's ready to, to push towards October. Yeah. It's, he's been, he's probably having a uh, career year. I don't have his stats up last year, you know, was the best year of his career. Just very well balanced, you know, from a, from a power standpoint, especially and, Tonight's shot, I think that was the solo that, that tied it, 6-6. And uh, I had a really good feeling once the game got tied. And um, I, I just can't say enough about the guy. I, 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 love, I love the player. I love the contract. And you don't see, you know, every player just sign a contract and then come right out of the gates and, and start raking. We saw it with JD last year, but you know we've seen with so many other guys. I mean, Machado's numbers are down this year. Harper, last I checked, was still uh, you know a less than one WAR, and you know we're not we're not having that problem with Bogart. So probably one of my favorite players on the Red Sox, and you know a popular pick for this segment for sure. Yeah, he's definitely been a constant, and I, I really like him too. I feel like he's he's he has the skill, but doesn't have the ego. Like I, I like a player that goes out there and and gives one hundred percent, but and shows emotion. Like emotion is an ego to me. Like I don't, I don't even know. Like he's not, he's not a bright. He he he's a Bryce Harper and a Manny Machado on the field, but not ego-wise, if that makes sense to me. And that's the, easy way, the easy way to say that is he's not a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I mean, I've heard Bryce Harper is a really nice guy. I haven't heard anything good about Manny Machado, so I can't really say anything about that. But Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm more just hate <laughs> Manny yeah, Machado. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, you, you want to know the dumb thing I hate about Bryce Harper? It's really pretty trivial. It's. I hate that I feel as if he makes his batting helmets, and I haven't really watched him with the Phillies this season, so I can't say he's done this with the Phillies, but definitely with the Nationals. It's like he wanted his helmet just a little bit too big, so every time he ran, it flew off, and you could see his hair perfectly quaffed under there. <laughs> it was I, have, I have very little doubt that that's, that's what happened. Trying to be sexy like right now? Like, what's happening? Like, it, it just... Ah, uh, it was the worst. Look, the, the Xander. The other thing, and like a lot of this doesn't get talked about, and you know, one of the things is now that the hockey season's over, basketball could end tonight. Um, the Red Sox are going to get the tension back on them, and some of this stuff's going to start to get talked about. But one of the things that I noticed with Xander is how well he takes care of himself. He is in really, really good shape. He looks like a basketball player. Um, you know, he, he's just not that scrawny kid. He clearly puts time in that, you know, scrawny kid that he was, you know, when he came up. Uh, so, I mean, look to me, he does everything right. Um, he doesn't get himself in trouble off the field and I'm not even just saying like, you know, 
like with the law or anything, because I don't think that's a consideration with him. I think he's a good dude, but he says the right things in the media. He acts uh, appropriately. You just don't hear negative things about him from his teammates. So I mean, look, like Terry said, he's a he's a uh, he's a hero of the hero segment. Uh, I think everyone roundly likes him. If you dislike Xander Bogarts, you have a dump in your pants. The problem is <laughs> you, not Xander Bogarts. Yeah, I, I took some heat for this, but I, I kind of just from a you know personality standpoint and f- you know for being a class act. You know, he reminds me a lot of Derek Jeter, just incredibly clean, no controversy. Baseball is his life and and that's it, you know, and 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 I love that about him and and I, I and I never I never thought, you know, being a Boris guy, we were going to be able to keep him. <laughs> and I just it was just a real pleasant surprise and I'm glad we have him. Uh, my hero, just to show that I, I can be impartial at times as a player that I do not like and that I don't have a lot of faith in long term. But in all fairness, Jackie Bradley, he hit the home run that kind of got us back into the game. It was a three-run shot, brought us within two of Texas, and then you know Bogarts kind of helped and um, but Bradley's had a pretty good month. He's hitting, I think they said in his last 22 games, he is hitting just under 300, 298. He has the highest OPS on the team in that span. And, you know, he does this every year. So, you know, I'm not shocked. And I think by July, the tune is going to be a little different, but, We'll take it for as long as he can do it, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a big part of the win tonight, and we just need to win, <laughs> you know, where I, I haven't checked the Yankees score. They were down by one, so I think that would put us within six and a half of the lead and um, just one game at a time. So I'll give Bradley his due. Just don't do it with any enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, look, he, he hit. there's not a lot of guys that can hit the ball he hit tonight from the home run to dead central. I mean, he hit it off the camera well. Um, you know, so, I mean, look, you can say what you want. The ability's there, which is why he's a lightning rod, especially, you know, with you, Terry. And I don't know if you'll admit this or not, but I think part of the, the complaint is that the no one's saying that he's not capable. You know, it's just that he doesn't produce. And he doesn't, he doesn't produce for long stretches of time. I'm all in on the JBJ train if he starts producing. I, you know, I mean, his numbers in the last 10 days have been very good. Uh, he, you know, anytime you can get him to be anything better than like 250, 260 with a 750 OPS and any sort of run production, uh, whether it's scoring runs or driving them in, I mean, he turns the lineup over and the, t- the team instantly becomes better. There's no question about his importance. And, you know, the, like I said, the ability is there. I mean, we're not worried about the defense. The defense is going to be gold glove caliber. He's got a f- absolute cannon for an arm. But he's got to give you something offensively. And I, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if him getting hot correlates to the Red Sox starting to string a few together because we're going to get into it. They're walking into an absolute morgue in the Orioles. That, that, that team just sucks. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and with, with Bradley, though, I mean, the his issue seems to be he'll go on a run and then he either loses his mechanics a little bit or he doesn't adjust 
to the pitchers that adjust to him. And it just takes him a long time to figure it out. And right now he's on a tear. He's figured something out for now. And he was a, in 2016, I mean, that was his best year. He was like a 276 hitter and he hit something like 27 home runs. So, um, you know, we're, you know, three seasons after that. So, you know, is who he is. But like I said, I, you know, I'll, I'll take it. You know, while he can give it. Liz, did you want to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to say it's definitely beneficial to have somebody like him producing at the, you know, at the back end of the lineup because you usually have those guys that maybe they don't hit, but maybe they work uh, pitch counts and they and they get on base. So having him, you know, even, you know, he doesn't have to hit home runs every time obviously, uh, but, I mean, even being able to, you know, move people on the bases, I mean, that's going to be beneficial. So, yeah, having having him being able to do something rather than nothing, uh, which is what he was doing before, um, you know, before the middle of May, I guess, he was really struggling, but, um, you know, is, is always going to help you guys out. But it's funny, like, I posted a screenshot of, I'm not one of those people that both... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of those people that votes for, uh, for the All-Star game or anything, and that's my bad, and uh, I kind of hope Jeremy didn't see that didn't see that tweet because uh, it's it's about 60-40 Red Sox-Rays on the American League. 60-40, so it's, it's the Red Sox and Rays and Trout. <laughs> and Trout, you have, yeah. You have yeah. Kiermaier on there for so, fuck's sake. Okay, so Kiermaier is not is not horrible, and the reason why I bring that up right now not is horrible. Somebody, he he is not bad. He's he's been improving, also, and really his defense he he can prevent as many runs as he you know could potentially score. So I mean that's where his value is. We've discussed it in the past, but but somebody was like, oh well, you should have put JBJ on there, and I'm like, uh, no, I don't think so. Like he's he's not an all star, you know. God love him for doing what he's doing right now, but but he's no he's no all star, and that that's why I bring that up. Is I I don't feel I mean I asked you guys or I asked you and Stephanie and Jeremy to compare or uh, if you would take Kiermaier over uh, or not Kiermaier over um, JBJ, but if you take JBJ if he was at a Kiermaier price kind of thing, we had that discussion a couple of weeks ago. But um, I mean Kiermaier is clearly the the better player, but um, well but, he's yeah. not third. The, the, the point there was that he's a third of the price. That's all. I mean, look, yeah, they're they're functionally very similar. Kiermaier is a little more consistently uh, a consistent, better offensive player. He's he doesn't pop as like a, a plus offensive player. But anyways, we're going, we're getting away from the segment. So yeah, anyways, yeah. Uh, so look, I, that's all right. Yeah, we'll bring in some devil rays. We we'll allow for overcompensation when you slipped up earlier and said we as to the Red Sox. That's fine. Terry, we knew it was coming, right? Obviously. Yeah, Stockholm uh, syndrome is what it is. You know, you, yeah. when you start <laughs> hanging out with them, you uh, you become one with them. Uh, you you want right. to go ahead with your uh, zero? Yeah, David Price, just go fuck yourself. I mean, where do I start with this guy? I've already said it was really important game, right? This is a, a win here is a full game in the standings as far as the wild card. Uh, you know, you're actually very fortunate. Again, you struggle, you underperform. You really should have won three, as Terrence said. You, you know, but you're only six and a half back in the East. I don't think that's obtainable the way this team is performing. But you are only one game out of 
out of uh, first. And if you, by the way, if you lose this game, it, there's a bunch of people, a bunch of teams right there. So if you get jumbled in with five teams, it becomes really hard to overcome that. So it was really an important game. They won it. Awesome win. We've already talked about the plus. David Price, you sack of shit gave your team absolutely fucking nothing tonight. Absolutely nothing. A inning and a third, five hits, six runs, all earned, and a walk. Two strikeouts. Your ERA jumped like almost a full run to 3.52. You know, I really don't know what to say about it because at the same time, he's been our best arm, and it's not even been close. But tonight, the effort tonight was just so fucking pathetic that it, it's like PTSD to what he's been at certain points in his career as a Red Sox. That I just, I, I give almost no leash and I revert back to him being a coward loser. Um, now, I'm going to come off that a little bit for now because I'm going to just chalk this up to not having it the one time. Um, but it just, it, coupled with the performance in the, in the, in the importance of the, of the game, to me, it just, it sucked. It was quintessential bad David Price. Now, with that said, um, a huge positive came out of what he did tonight, which is the, the, the bullpen was forced to throw seven and two-thirds innings. L listen to these stats. Seven and two-thirds innings, four hits, zero, run, zero runs, zero earned runs. I mean, struck out nine, and the walk, the walks were a problem. There were, there were eight walks. Make no mistake about it, as important as the offensive production was to get to seven and win the game, as it was equally important with what the bullpen did tonight. And a lot of these guys are guys that are still trying to prove, you know, Schwarren, two and a third, zero hits, zero runs, two walks, two strikeouts. He's got a 1.0 ERA. Brewer comes in, uh, gets an out uh, on a walk. Lakins, one inning, two walks, one strikeout, no hits. Walden, two hits. Uh, Workman's inning was interesting for sure. Uh, got the bases loaded and actually got a strike three, swinging strike three in a ball that was not even close to the strike zone. Uh, Barnes was uh, better tonight, uh, threw the ball in the strike zone, which was a nice touch by him. And then Smith, for whatever reason, what closed this game with Hembria, and I think we're going to talk about that. But you know, so a positive came out of it, but Price is just zero big time for me, and and I'm on record about how I feel with him. I'm not. In the in the Terrence level, but I'm somewhere below it, and I'm now skeptical. So his next start is hugely important in my eyes, and that'll be uh, against the Minnesota Twins. So that'll be a pretty big Ugh. start. You know, pretty robust offense. Texas though has not been uh, a good team for David Price. Last year he gave he pitched three and two thirds innings, gave up. Seven earned runs. That was his final start before he skipped out on the Yankees start, went to Boston, had the carpal tunnel, the whole Fortnite scandal. Um, and then in 2017, he was injured for most of the year. And uh, and then in 2016, he had a start against them, only going two and one-third inning, giving up six earned runs. So that was kind of in the back of my mind as tonight's start for him approached and I just kind of figured last year his head you know wasn't right he was coming off a lot of controversies very quiet this year no no issues whatsoever I figured there you know there was a bit of momentum he kind of got the playoff monkey off his back 
you know, there wasn't really any reason for him to be feeling pressure tonight. And then, like you said, Jeremy, he just he just didn't have it. He choked. He didn't show up. And every game's a must win right now. I just checked the Yankees and Rays did both lose tonight. We're six and a half games back, five back uh, in the win column. And um, so yeah, all of these games are important and pretty disappointing to see Price not be able to kind of put these Texas demons behind him and, uh, you know, put the bullpen in a, in a pretty bad spot as well, even though, uh, you know, they, uh, they kind of saved the day. What is thoughts on Price? It, yeah, it, it's interesting that you mentioned his past because I was going to do that. Like, I don't have the numbers up, and, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I wish I was a numbers person. I wish I was a stats person. I, I'm just not, you know, very much. But um, I know that back in the day, like when Price was with the Rays, um, the Rangers were like a thorn in their side. It didn't matter how bad the Rangers were. They always beat the shit out of the race. So I feel like, like, I don't know if that is just the curse that's following Price, like, right now at this point. But I really wanted him to be my hero. I wanted him to be the strong, consistent guy that he's been, you know, for the Red Sox. Uh, you know, because I like Price. Like, un- unlike you guys, like, you guys just like him right now. Well, not today, but but this season because he's been pretty good up until today where we, he was completely horrible and very, you know, just, it was real disheartening for me, but, um, but, but I'm a fan, you know, of him in general. So, uh, so I always want him to, to do well. And, um, it, it was interesting that against the Rangers, the team that my team historically is stuck against, um, even, you know, when he played with them and maybe not now, I, I haven't really, I don't think they've played them this season yet. I don't recall, but, um, but that he chose this, this season or excuse me, this series to, uh, totally shit the bed if, if nothing else, you know, but, um, but Jeremy's right. I mean, to see the bullpen come out and do what they did, I mean, and that many pitchers come out and hold it together. I mean, I feel like that's a plus, like it sucks that price, you know, made them, you know, you know, made that have to happen, I guess. But in a way, like, maybe that is a turning point for them. Maybe not, but it could be. That's one of the reasons why Price is my zero, because the Terrence is saying, like, every game is must win. I, it's baseball. It's We're still, I think we still have, like, 97 games to play. So I don't know if every game is must win, but there's a, certainly a heightened importance because you're expected to contend for the AL pennant and you've you've underachieved at a really just suffering rate at this point. And there are certain guys that you want to count on. We've talked about it. J.D., Xander. Um, Mookie. Uh, sale, Mookie, a, a sale is back. Uh, we don't have a bullpen that we can re- rely on night in and night out. So... The guys that you expect to give you certain production need to need to do what they're supposed to do. And tonight, Price, who's been our ace, needed to be an ace. And he wasn't. He sucked. He didn't give you a chance to win. And you got bailed out by uh, the offensive production, starting with J.D., uh, the huge home run by uh, uh, J.B.J., a home run by Chavis. Um, you know, and so... 
you know, he got bailed out. And, 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 you know, I don't know how much the national media or not the national media, the Boston media will talk about it tomorrow because, you know, with game six tonight in Toronto just won the NBA championship. Maybe that'll be the talking point. But for me, price, it's a problem. And as this team wins its biggest game of the year, where I specifically bring up, and, and I think a lot of people will talk about our best pitcher reverting to form to what we've complained about in his tenure as a Red Sox, but for the playoff run. So, look, it is what it is. Um, his next start to me is hugely important, um, and I expect them to go in and sweep the shitty Orioles team, and I'll be disappointed if they don't. Two of three is the the, the bottom of what should be accomplished here. Anything less is a huge disappointment, and then you go into the next series hopefully willing, uh, ready to build, and that start with David should be big. And, you know, uh, part of me thinks he'll rebound from this based on what he's done to this this year despite the start, but now the start has some certain negative thoughts creeping back into my head. So His ERA went from 270 to 352, so terrible, uh, terrible spike there. But well, giving up a touchdown in the first inning is going to hurt your ERA. There's no question about it. Definitely. Uh, Liz, who uh, who is your zero? My zero, much like my hero, is based off of just one play, which I know is pretty lame. But um, Brock Holt is my zero, and it's mainly off of what happened in the second game where he allowed, uh, was it Hunter Pence, uh, to get that inside-the-park home run. And... I, I commend him for, for, you know, running over to the wall and right and trying to make the play and trying to get the out. But then to hang on the wall, like, I'm sure he was out of breath. I'm sure he hit the wall and it was hard and it sucked and everything. But he hit the wall and then just hung there. Like, I, I don't know. just He just stayed there. And then um, Mookie, I think, was playing center. And he just, you know, by that time, uh, Pence had already pretty much, like, rounded third and was coming in, I think, if I remember correctly. And he just strolls over to the ball, like, well, I mean, I guess I'm going to throw this in now. And it was it was just embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I was like, man, to, to think, Holt, the guy who I picked last year during the World Series to be, like, the dark horse, you know, the person that was going to come in and, and make the big plays and, you know, be that guy... Uh, who he he was and he wasn't, I guess, uh, although last year is kind of aside the point, I suppose. But to see that happen was just so, like, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Uh, I knew he was going to be my zero if we were going to do the Heroes and Zeros segment. Like, from then, I didn't care what he did the rest of the series. I didn't care what anybody else did. That whole scene was just, it was the worst. So he's my zero. Yeah, and we had lost. We were on our way to losing, I think, our fifth of the last six games. And, you know, this Texas series at that point was looking like a nightmare because, you know, we dropped game one with the with the Barnes meltdown. And and uh, here we are in game two, you know, getting our asses handed to us and watching him, you know, draped over the wall with the baseball kind of, you know, riding the outside wall. It just was a ter- terrible look. And Holt said he was embarrassed. But, I mean, that was, you know, that play summed up our whole season. And and the night before as well, he had a, 
you know, a base running blunder where he he blew through the stop sign at at third base and uh, tried to score on a base hit and was out by a mile wouldn't even be wouldn't even do it any justice like he was out by 20 steps and knew it and just, it was so it was so bad he quit and let the catcher walk up and tag him yeah exactly <laughs> it was just it was I, just I, brutal I that. <laughs> and that was with Sean Kelly on the mound and Kelly's normally a pretty solid late inning guy i was kind of hoping maybe the red Sox would make a play for him he only signed with texas for two and a half million so not sure what the Sox were thinking, but he didn't really have it in that inning, and he gave up three or four hits, and, you know, even with two outs, I would have felt pretty good with the next batter at the plate, and one more run could have, you know, could have changed things for us in that inning, but but Holt was, was terrible. Not a good series for him whatsoever. And he was uh, two for nine uh, at the plate as well. So um, definitely deserving of, of being a zero. So um, the the route he took on that ball was piss poor. He literally underran the fly ball. And the his glove was in position to make the ball, the play. But the ball was like a foot beyond it. And, and and it wasn't because he was running over his shoulder. He was running parallel to to the home plate. So if he just has an angle that's literally one percent better, he makes the play. And it's not. A, it's we're not even talking about it. Then what I think happened was he believed the ball went into the stands and kind of hung on the wall. I mean, I just don't give. I, and if that is the case, it just I don't care. Just get off the wall and look for the ball and double check. You know, I mean, again, it's just a microcosm of how this team is underachieved. And then the third thing I'd like to bring up is why the fuck are, is he playing right field? I was just wondering that as well. I mean, unless the ball... He, he's, he's not... Look, fine. You put him in left. Look, we've all talked... We've talked to Perry. You and I have talked about this probably like hours combined on this podcast in the last year. Manny could play left. Anybody can play left. Stick him in left. Hit fungos off the wall for a week. Make him learn the caroms play left like we're being spoiled with Ben Intendi because Ben Intendi is really good but literally anyone can play out there like if if you have to play Holt go put him in left and put Ben Intendi in right who's really capable of center fielder it just makes no sense and again I we talked about core in the last last podcast I, I don't understand it it makes no sense to me I understand that at some level you want his bat in the game you just you, right field is notoriously difficult it's a huge right field there's just no reason to put Holt in that position. Zero. It's un- it's inexcusable. I would even ra- rather have him even in center field than Mookie, you know, because of the size of right field. I would want my best arm in right field. And if a ball goes all the way back to the triangle, so be it. That's the risk I'm willing to take. But I think he could be adequate in center. And, you know, left field is fine as well but i just i like mookie in right field at all times there's a ton of ground to cover out there and like we said he's got basic close to a bradley like cannon for an arm you know especially you know getting runners out that are trying to leg out a double you know as we've seen so um yeah that was a that was a bad choice by cora one way or the other 
So, uh, Terry, who's your uh, did we get you to your zero yet? Uh, no, my zero. Uh, mine good. is going to be uh, Dave Dombrowski. Um, I absolutely hated the call-up for Darwins and Hernandez, who was getting absolutely shelled down in Portland. He had a one-inning, scoreless inning, technically, in his last start, and then they pulled him because they knew they were going to start him in Boston a few days later. But his two starts before that, he gave up five runs and then four runs. He has the highest walk rate in the Eastern League that in which the Portland Sea Dogs play. Uh, his walk rate is 7.1 walks per nine innings. And I just, you had Mike Shawarin up here, who, by the way, is pitching to a uh, 1.08 ERA. And, uh, you know, can strike guys out, has, has a little bit better command. He scuffled a little bit tonight, but... I still think he would have given us the better chance to win. It made zero sense to me to bring Hernandez up and I don't I don't think it I don't think it helps him either. It doesn't help his confidence and I, I don't know uh actually maybe I do. He yeah, he walked five batters in the three innings he did manage to pitch and struck out seven that looks good and and the four out of the seven were literally the first four batters he faced. And then it just went, went to hell after that walked five. I mean, how did they not see that coming? Like, of course that was going to happen. And we were never in that game and just poor decision-making by the, by the front office. So Dombrowski is my zero uh, for this series. Yeah, I mean, your points are well-founded, and that's fine. I think the fact that they even have to put this guy in this position is a, is a testament to the lack of options available. And I know they've caught some interesting situations or breaks or however you want to put it, uh, but you just shouldn't be in a position to, you know, when you're scuffling the way you are, you've underachieved all year, we've talked about it extensively, and this is the guy you run out there in a game that's really important. So... You know, yeah, I mean, I, we, and I talked a lot about Dombrowski in the last two podcasts, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's kind of get into the bullpen real quick. Uh, Barnes blew game one, which was pretty painful because it was in the ninth inning. You know, we just get through that. We win game one. And Sale went seven strong, uh, three hits, no earned runs, struck out ten. So another wasted start kind of a similar feel you know as the Colorado start and uh, you know Barnes had been scuffling since game one he uh, you know he has looked a little bit better he um, let's see in uh, the yesterday he uh, pitched an inning and uh, got out of it you know and only walked one struck out two so that was nice scuffled a little bit tonight you know everybody scuffled but that's one guy that I just think the weight of the world is on his shoulders. And I just, we need some help in this bullpen. And I don't, we can't wait till July 31st to, to deal with it. You know, it has to happen probably within the next two, three weeks. You know, if we're going to, if we're going to stop blowing games in the end there, uh, you know, workmen, uh, blew the save uh yesterday and uh you know 
luckily, you know, we ended up winning anyway. But he, you know, he blew the lead. So, you know, he had his moment there. Uh, Brazier uh, gave up uh, what ended up being the, uh, you know, the, the game-losing run. It's just a bullpen right now that's scuffling. And the crazy thing about it is you got games like tonight. There's been other games where you've needed four, five, six innings out of the bullpen. Usually they're not bad in that situation. But when you only need two or three, for whatever reason, shit goes to hell. And, you know, that's what we saw in this series. And that's on Dombrowski, as we've been saying. And I just don't... I mean, if we're going to compete, we got to get it dealt with more sooner than later. I I could literally not agree more. Um, one of the things too about this getting back to Dombrowski, they put a lot of eggs in the in the Barnes basket, and for why? Like, somebody needs to answer for that. And they didn't trust him to even begin the year because they didn't designate him as his closer. They just said, you know, he's going to get the big outs. It's like, okay, well, and then he's pitching in the sixth inning because it's three, four, five hitter. But then the three, four, five hitter come up again in the ninth, and he's already pitched. So it just—it's so confusing. I, I don't understand the faith in him. I like—I think he's a good arm. He's clearly like a major league bullpen arm, and I think he's ideally a seventh inning guy on a really good team. Um, kind of like he was last year, by, for example. Um, but he's not consistent enough. Um, his stuff's not elite. It's good. He's got a good fastball. He struggles with command. Um, but he doesn't have an elite pitch like Koji Uehara had with the splitter uh, in 13, like Kimbrell with his fastball last year. Uh, Papelbon, who was a rare closer who could actually get outs with multiple pitches, that that's something you just don't see a lot of. So I mean, Barnes is you know I, I'm just surprised that they put that much faith in Barnes, and it's been so bad that it's been a revolving door. And you got this guy Smith tonight who is closing the game. I mean, he was my zero I think three weeks ago in that start he made where I don't think he got out of the third inning. He was just awful. Eckersley on the broadcast is like, this guy's not a big league arm. Well, that non-big league arm, according to Dennis Eckersley, who's a Hall of Famer, um, it, it closed tonight's game. So, you know, if we're staying within the bullpen, one of my issues is why the fuck isn't Embry in the game? And it, it's almost like state media with Nesson tonight. Like, oh, he's sick. He's sick. Okay. Well, first of all, he sat in the bullpen the whole fucking game. Okay? So how sick is he? And two... You know, he's chewing tobacco the whole time. So how, again, how sick is he that he couldn't pitch in that spot? I want answers. We jumped on the podcast immediately after the game. So we we don't have the benefit of whatever explanation has been provided. But it's inexcusable. He's in uniform. He's in the bullpen. He's chewing tobacco. I mean, do we need to put like a rum and coke in his hand to, to sell the point more that he probably could have pitched? I, I just I'm I'm lost there. It works out fine. Again, the the non big league player, according to Dennis Eckersley, I'm assuming has some sort of uh, eye for that talent, uh, is pitching in the ninth. Whatever, it works out. It was an exciting ninth inning. I thought we won the game on the pickoff, which would have been really cool. We've already talked about Xander's response to that, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
the bullpen's an issue. Workman, Workman's been really good. I thought today, you know, that guy's not afraid of the moment. Like he may not, he may not always prevail, and he doesn't have a plus fastball. In fact, I'd say he has a, he has an average fastball at best. But he's got a hell of a curveball, and he is fearless as a motherfucker, man. He does not care. He just doesn't care. Three zero through what was he threw a three zero breaking pitch to Chew because he thought Chew had a, a green light. And he, he dropped it right in for a strike. And it's like, this guy just, he doesn't care. He'll throw that, that pitch at any time. And then he has the confidence that the slider and his stuff is good enough to get the swinging strike on a ball that was not in the strike zone. So, you know, I can't say enough positive things about, about Workman. Uh, but he's not a closer either. So I got uh, this thing. some news on Hembry. Apparently he, uh, he felt some uh, forearm tightness in the pen. And, uh, you know, they speculated that he was sick and I saw him grabbing like his sinuses and he didn't look good. So now that they're saying this is the forearm, uh, you know, based he may on not look good because he may think his season's over based. Yeah, exactly. Based on his demeanor. That's uh, this is very disturbing. Um, if we if we lose him. <laughs> yeah, I don't even I'm. Well, we got... I don't, I don't even know what to say. Right. We got Lakens up, and he was in a low-leverage situation. And the funny thing about it was, was we were down by two runs. So I'm like, all right, fine. You know, you don't really... You're going to go through most of your pen anyway. And uh, he, he scuffled a little bit, but got out of the inning. But those are the situations I want to see him in. You know, a semi-mop-up situation, or maybe a situation where we're way ahead... Cora was putting him in high leverage spots and I just I didn't think that was was fair and I didn't think he was ready for that so you know this is a guy I do kind of have a lot of faith in but you know we're we're weeks away from him you know being the guy we hope he is in in high leverage spots and we have Shawarin but yeah the Hembry thing is is pretty um pretty uh concerning another quote um uh, you know uh, oh, actually chris mason is tweeting this uh cora wanted the uh pickoff attempt you know because basically he was he was josh smith and they just wanted to cheap out and and they came pretty close and and missed it but that's what they wanted to do and um and you know, it didn't uh, didn't pan out, but so be it. But like we said, you know, <laughs> this is uh, this this has to get dra- addressed probably by the end of June if if we're going to be serious about this. This isn't if if we're eight games back on July thirty first, wild card at best, and with Texas kind of emerging here. That's an extra team you have to be worried about. That could edge you out for that second spot. So uh, Tampa or New York are going to get the first spot most likely. And so I, I'm worried about Texas. They play hard. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Elvis Andrews. Um, they're for whatever reason they're they're you know out kicking the coverage as far as their the depth of their roster. They 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 you know. I think that showed in the series, especially early. I mean, they came back and 
uh, beat beat the Sox in the in a, in, you know when we were in a safe situation and um, you know they got some guys that don't get cheated at the plate you know so the Rangers are uh, definitely I think I don't think they're going anywhere I really don't I have concerns about the Rangers uh, the Rays the Devil Rays they are better than the Red Sox right now the Yankees are better than the Red Sox right now um, so you know. Um, it's going to be interesting. The problem, the only problem with improving the bullpen is with what? I mean, you know, and people have been chirping me on Twitter the last three days about the my Mookie Betts trade take that I had last podcast. But And every time someone's like, you know, you're an idiot, you're a moron, and I bring up the money and he's saying he's not going to sign here, they're like, well, just trade Moreland Pierce, you know, JB, it's like, okay, well, I don't have a necessary of a problem with that, but one, who's going to get there at bats? And two, what, what's the value in the, and you know, like Pierce is worth nothing right now. Like you're not getting a, you're not even getting a low level prospect and we don't, we don't want, we don't need prospects. We need like a bullpen ready arm. So what do you, what do you have that you could afford to give away? Cause you cannot afford to give away Lakins. You can't afford a way to give Chatham and double a the shortstop. Like these, we, we're so thin with with organizational depth that we can't give away young talent. We just can't. So, what? How do you get the prospect? Uh, I'm sorry. How do you get the bullpen arm? Well, I and mean, I, and, and my, my my concern is that you're going to have to wait till the last minute and give, you know, oh, you know, take on a contract and pay the whole thing, uh, or you know, cash considerations, or or if we have free agency, uh, what is it, international pool money? Which I don't think we have, um, you know. But we can't we can't afford to give away. So so uh, fine. Pierce is healthy and he's out of it. Can you you know Terry? T- you know what do you think? Can you get an arm in a month? If Pierce comes back, he starts swinging a little bit. Can you trade Pierce and just put Shavis into that spot and get a bullpen arm? I don't think you can. Well, you know it, it's gonna cost probably a top 10 to 15 prospect and then maybe a lower level and then at that point you're not getting you're not going to get a Zach Britton type guy from last season you're going to have to get a mid-level reliever that can come in and and help out Um, so I don't know I mean CJ Chatham I think could potentially be the highest ranked prospect we have that could get traded um you know because you figure you know with Devers and 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 Bogarts on on the left side of the infield you only got two spots for the right side I'm assuming Moreland and possibly Pierce aren't gonna be here next year or or and actually Pierce probably definitely not and then and then most likely not Moreland but somebody's gonna kind of be the odd man out and and so maybe I think Chatham gets you a, a pretty pretty nice piece and then a, a low level guy you know you can't you can't trade Chatham well I'd rather not I, I'd rather not but I mean Chavis and, and Dahlbeck are probably the right side of your infield and you know uh, and Chatham is on the uh, DL right now he hasn't played since May so. Uh, I tried looking up what what the injury was, but I couldn't find it. I, I don't know. I I don't know. That's not a comfortable trade, but you know, it's tough. It's tough. I don't know 
who we would get rid of off the major league roster. Maybe maybe if Bradley can sustain this, I mean. But then, what te- what contending team is going to deal you a significant arm anyway? So, I it's a, it's a tough situation. <laughs> it's a tough situation. Well, just to kind of move on to something uh, totally different, uh, but definitely relevant uh, to the stock. Um, how are you guys feeling about this Ortiz situation? Like, as far as, I mean, initial reports, like, we're kind of vague about what's been going on, particularly with all the deaths of, like, tourists and things down in DR and things that have been going on in, down there in general that are just fucked up, basically. But, uh, you know, now it's becoming, you know, a little bit more clear that, uh, I mean, he was involved with maybe uh, drug lords girlfriend i don't know i don't know if you can call her that or if he was just i I don't i don't know uh any thoughts Uh, i mean do you think do you think that's the the rumors are true i mean i was just reading like i guess either earlier that day or the day before uh he got shot he bought that chick an eighty-five thousand dollar lexus so that's just not a present that you buy anybody uh that sounds like a side piece present to me but i don't know i mean i i I'll let you guys talk before I give my. Well, just an well, I'd like to I'd like to comment that that was the first time that the phrase "side piece" has been used uh, on the podcast. So we've broken new ground here. Uh, I will say that it was kind of surreal last podcast because the updates were coming in when we started uh, Sunday night. It was uh, he was shot in the leg, and then Terry was in the middle of a take, and it literally dropped like an atom bomb that he was shot through and through through his back to his through his abdomen. Yeah. And that he was fighting for his life. It was an unreal, um, you know, to be in the middle of recording when that whole thing was happening was was really, like, very difficult. Um, he's beloved. Uh, I'm not – look, Terry, you want to go and then I'll kind of piggyback off you? Well, let's uh, just – let me just do a quick run through of uh, what we know as far as the actual case goes. Um, it was revealed yesterday that whoever ordered the hit paid a group of it looks like seven uh gangsters thugs whatever you want to call them uh eight thousand dollars in what you know equates to u.s currency i'm not familiar with uh pesos and you know where those stack up yeah eight thousand each four hundred thousand pesos altogether but it broke down to about eight thousand each right yeah And six of those uh, suspects are in custody. There's a manhunt underway for a seventh. That person seems to be a bit of an escape artist because he is also wanted in the state of Pennsylvania for a 2017 shooting in which a person was shot in the back, very similar uh, to the Ortiz uh, case. Though, let me be clear, he is not the shooter in the Ortiz case. It was just the, um, you know, the circumstances were similar. The shooter for the, uh, you know, for Ortiz is currently in custody. Uh, This suspect, though, on the run uh, is also wanted uh, in connection for a string of robberies in New Jersey. So, seems to be a guy who knows how to run from the cops. Um, 
so those that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, the police haven't, at least in the form of a press conference, talked about uh, a motive, but there's been rumors from the start that he was having an affair with a uh, basically a known drug lord in uh, in the Dominican Republic. Uh, more information uh, via the Daily Mail came out today to confirm that. And the Daily Mail cited uh, three separate law enforcement uh, sources. So that that aspect, you know, is kind of been a rumor from the start, like I said, but it's kind of gaining steam. Um, you know, it's 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 a tough situation. There there was also a viral video uh, that centers around this female, whose name, by the way, is Maria Yarabel Martinez Garcia. And she was, the viral video shows her just a couple hours after the shooting at the hospital uh, in a physical altercation with several members of uh, Ortiz's uh, entourage. So she has since uh, stopped talking uh, to the media publicly. Apparently there was a phone call to a Dominican uh, news station. They could not definitively uh, confirm that it was her, however. But uh, the person... Uh, basically said that uh, denied any type of affair uh, with Ortiz and uh, also denied that she was involved with anybody in organized crime. So it, it's a messy situation. Um, you know, Liz, you mentioned the, um, the, the Lexus RX. There was uh, documentation, which you can also see um, on the Daily Mail article it shows a visual the the actual document of the lexus rx in garcia's name and there is an accompanying uh picture of a bank check with david ortiz's name on it and the amount of eighty five thousand five hundred dollars and uh in the memo in spanish uh says uh for a vehicle purchase so that part is kind of checking out this affair seems to be somewhat, you know, things are starting to check out with it. It's becoming, you know, it's looking like a, a legitimate uh, part of the motive. There could be more to it. We don't know. And that's that's where we're at right now, uh, a few days in. So, Jeremy, go ahead uh, with your thoughts on it. I mean, I don't know, man. I, it, it, if he was shot, or I don't exactly know how I want to take this on the podcast, but if he was shot because of an affair, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, guys. I mean, you can't, you know, and and not, you know, all families are not created equal, and there's good marriages, and there's people that stray, and everything else, and I'm not getting into that and whatever, but. Let's say David Ortiz stepped outside his marriage. Who gives a fuck if you're an ordinary person? Like, it's not your life. It's not your family. Like, if you care that much and, and you somehow think that, that that changes your view of David Ortiz or somehow justifies a shooting, you're a sick fuck, in my opinion. Like, no one deserves to get shot over anything. This is 2019. 
Um, and, and, you know, there's maybe some judgment issues. I mean, we, you know, Robert Kraft is someone who also comes to mind in this type of conversation. There's maybe some judgment issues on the on the part of the person, but that doesn't have to. That has nothing to do with you, me, or anyone listening to this podcast. Um, so I, you know, I don't. I just don't. You know, I, I mean, that's between David and his wife and his family. You know, and you don't know what their relationship is. You don't know. I mean. You know, I, I, I know of of, of uh, relationships that have ended long ago and they're still married, but they're, you know, both people are dating other people and everything else. They just don't want to get a divorce for whatever financial reasons or otherwise, you know, so everything's different. And, and David is a high profile multimillionaire who still is connected deeply with the Red Sox. So we just we don't know the facts. And I, I refuse to get into, you know, an affair and, and, and care about that aspect of it, you know. I just don't. And so he got shot. I think, it, you know, it's the people hopefully are going to be brought to justice. Um, you know, if you're the type of person that let, let that has something like this happen to you on the other side and your and your 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 response is to spend, you know, $150,000 on hiring hitmen, then, you know, I mean, you know, that's the person that I have things to say about. Um, but. You know, I'm not condoning stepping out on a marriage. Uh, I'm married. Uh, you know, I, I think Liz, you're married, so uh, you know, I'm not condoning it. But that's that's individual to the person that's doing it, and we just you never can step inside the shoes of the individual, and so I refuse to do it in the situation. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I said, an awkward look, and you know, it's gaining a little bit of steam. The Boston media has not uh, touched it, and that's fine. I don't blame them for not wanting to. Uh, the Daily Mail is all over it. There has been New York publications all over it, shockingly, um, you know, to make a Red Sox player look bad. Um, you know, it just, it, it's just, it's not going away. And, you know. Well, well, well I know, and I, I didn't want to, like, necessarily bring it up, you know, because I wanted you guys to, I don't know, cast aspersions upon a beloved Red Sox player or anything like that. In fact, what I was, what I started to say and then cut my own self off initially when I was asking the question is, I worked for a number of years at the hotel uh, down here where the away teams uh, stayed when they played the Rays. And um, Big Poppy was, was definitely one of the players that everyone spoke highly of, everyone said, you know, I mean, from what we knew, I mean, granted, obviously, we only saw what he wanted us to see, I'm sure, but, um, you know, the Bellman, which were probably the people that, you know, knew him the most, I guess, outside of, yeah, they were probably the people that had the most close contact with him, honestly, but, um, you know, he was always, you know, setting up things for his wife at the spa, flowers, you know, and, and all that is all superficial. But at the same time, not everybody does those things. So he was always seen as definitely, you know, one of the good guys, one of the guys that, that would never do something like that. But Jeremy's right. I mean, somebody high profile like that, you know, they, they could have an agreement. They could, you know, anything could happen. I certainly don't think poorly of him for it. Uh, I guess, you know, you just never know someone's situation, but um, 
I guess just because the story is just so interesting and so kind of out of left field <laughs> in a way, uh, I just wondered, you know, what your thoughts were on it. I guess I just want to see closure to the situation and there's going to be certain publications that aren't going to allow that. So just from an official capacity this doesn't affect no matter what comes out david ortiz is still going to be my favorite player i would still buy a david ortiz you know jersey so none of that is going to change for me as a fan i just i don't i don't care about that you know short of him going like the aaron hernandez route and killing someone himself i mean uh, you know, so oh, this obviously that's a completely other scenario. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just saying it would have to be far more extreme for me to to not yeah. be a huge David Ortiz fan. And uh, you know, so I I would just it seems like the Dominican authorities are aggressively pursuing the suspects. I like that they have the actual shooter who has apparently confessed to doing it. I like that. The one thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable in this uh, investigation is that, you know, we're we're aware of a lot of the details of of what went down. We kind of know, you know, the female in, in question here likely has either a small or a large role in it. The one thing we don't know is who that drug lord is and one of my concerns from the get-go was that maybe I didn't know if, if the Dominican would protect Ortiz more and maybe this would go under the rug and that would have been fine with me. Um, or are they going to, like, I, I just don't know what kind of a government they are and hopefully they're not going to protect the drug lord here, you know, and I just I just want... I just want all parties to be to be held accountable, you know, from the from the criminal uh, side of it, and and you know, it, it's it's gotten to be a little bit more uncomfortable by the day as a lot of this comes out, and I don't think a lot of other podcasts are going to touch on it, and you know, I I kind of I I don't want to be that podcast. I want to, you know, I want to talk about things that you know, pertain to Red Sox players and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, so that that's where I'm at well, with it. Well, and there's, and there's something to be said, not to cut you off, Jeremy, there's something to be said for the team, you know, stepping up and going down there and getting him and bringing him up to Mass General, uh, you know, to make sure he's getting the care, you know, that he needs to. So, so that's, that's a notable thing that occurred, you know, after the fact that has nothing to do with the scandal, you know, that's potentially – you know, involved with it too. So, so that's something of note, but go ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. So three things. One, um, his wife has handled this with absolute dignity and class. So credit to her. So, you know, and, and again, we don't know the situation. So, which brings me to the second point is I don't, I am probably in the minority here. I don't ever need to know why this happened. I want to know that they're brought to justice um, that all the people responsible for it are brought to justice that I care about. And I care about David Ortiz returning to full health and being a part of the Boston Red Sox and, and, you know, uh, the community as much as he wants to be. Um, I don't care about the other stuff. I don't, I don't care about the, the, the potential mistress. I don't care about the Lexus. 
And if I don't get answers to that, I'm okay with it. I don't, I, you know, it's just not important to me and, and to what I think about the player and the human, um, what he meant to the city uh, after the marathon bombing, what he meant to the city just generally as a, as a player, as, as someone in the community, um, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I just, I just don't care. I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, and I, I don't meddle generally in other people's personal lives. Um, part of my profession requires secrets and I honor that explicit, exp, uh, you know, 100%. It's something I take very serious when someone asks me for privacy and they've done that. And so, you know, it's easy for me to, to, to honor that. And I don't care. And if they don't give us answers or whatever, we only get answers from the daily mail and not from the, the legitimate journalistic, uh, papers and websites, then that's fine with me. Cause I, I honestly, I, I just don't care about that. that's not important to me. You know, that may be important to his family. But, you know, I'm not part of the family, so I don't I just don't give a fuck. Zero zero fucks. So his health uh, credit to his wife. And uh, I hope they catch the fuckers and they just, you know, maybe the DR doesn't have due process and they can act swiftly with these fuckers. And that's what my concern. That's what my concern is, is that, you know, I, I just like you said, I want them to be brought to justice, but I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence that that's necessarily going to happen. And, you know, that's going to lead to speculation from, you know, maybe con- you know, the, the New York media. <laughs> and I, I just I just want it to go away. But Well, I, I almost think given the current environment in the Dominican Republic – they that might cause them to actually take action against them since they do actually have people that are at fault for something that was egregious, you know, toward, you know, a beloved. I don't know. Is is Big Poppy still? I mean, this is a really ignorant question, so I apologize. Is he? Does he have dual citizenship, or is he solely an American no, citizen? No, he um, he has dual, dual citizenship. Dual as citizenship. a red as a Red Sox fan, least you should know that. <laughs> 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 uh, well, because I, I was going to say over a beloved, you know, a beloved American is what I was going to say, but I wasn't totally sure on, on that. I mean, we, I touched on this briefly. Word, but. I touched on this briefly in the last podcast. Um, I don't think anyone looks at David Ortiz as a nationality or a religion or a race. He's loved. Um, there's yeah, he like, for example, when the marathon bombing happened, that was a, you know, a lot of people viewed that as a deeply American thing. And for the guy to stand up in the city in which it happened to be a Dominican um, American, because again, uh, Terry's Terry's correct, he has dual citizenship. Um, I thought that really spoke highly of you know how important he truly is, and that's not tongue in cheek, and it's not something that I personally am saying just because he was part of a tragedy. I I meant it. I meant it then. I mean, I mean it now. Um, you know, I think he's going to be. 50 years from now, he's going to be the Bill Russell, hopefully sitting behind the, the bullpen as the 20, you know, 50 Red Sox try to win another World Series. Like, I truly believe he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, the, the management team uh, retired his number quick, uh, quicker than any other player in the history of the, uh, of the program. Um, I do like the way how they handled going and getting him out of the Dominican. Um you know, I worry for his safety moving forward, and and maybe he can't go back to the Dominican, which 
would be tough because there's no one more prouder of his Dominican heritage than like him and Pedro. Um, so, you know, and that obviously goes to show that he was like an every man at a bar, just sitting in a bar, like, you know, that open to the public. Like, you know, I mean, it, it, for example, I don't think he could have done that in Boston. <laughs> Imagine if David Ortiz like went to like hurricanes at the garden and was like sitting there having a beer. He would be, I would be, it would be a photo opportunity for every single person that noticed he was there. He'd, he'd probably have to leave. So maybe that's one thing he likes about the Dominican. I don't know. Again, we're getting into stuff that that's not really important to anybody, probably him and his family. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing him walk. I'm looking forward to, him to seeing, seeing him at Fenway when, when he decides to let everyone know he's healthy. Um, and we'll just, you know, for me, I can leave it at that. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's going to recover. I mean, that, there doesn't seem to be a ton of concern over that, and I'm sure we'll probably see him at Fenway before long. I mean, the season's pretty young. But, yeah, we'll we'll get into more of it, uh, you know, as, as more stuff comes out. But I hope the bad guys do get caught, you know. And it, it's, it's crazy to me that that could have happened to him, you know, and – I'd like to think that his, I mean, he's godlike in in the Dominican as well as Boston, and you know, I I'd hate to, I, you know, the fact that someone tried to take him out is, you know, crazy. But anyway, it is getting late, so let's just jump into the um, next series real quick here. Uh, game one: Eduardo Rodriguez versus Andrew Kashner. Rodriguez pretty solid in his one start so far with um, with the Orioles this season. He went six and two thirds, only gave up two runs, struck out eight. Uh, Kashner has been pretty solid uh, against the Red Sox this year himself. Uh, five innings on uh, April thirteenth, gave up three runs, uh, only struck out two, so was pitching to contact and uh, similar start on. May 8th, he went six innings, only gave up one earned run. So, uh, And he is coming off of uh, kind of a, a rough stretch. And his most recent start, he, um, he well, his most recent start was actually okay. He, he pitched six innings against the uh, Astros, only gave up one run. But uh, two starts ago, five innings, six earned runs against the Giants, and then uh, one start before that was uh, five innings, five runs against the uh, Rockies. So hopefully, uh, you know, the bats carry some momentum, you know, as we saw tonight uh, into this series, which is in Baltimore. Um, and, uh, you know, we should be able to take game one. What are you guys' thoughts? I feel like they should be able to take all three, like, Personally, I mean, hope. I mean, like Jeremy said, I mean, really, if if they were going to go in and sweep anybody, it's going to be the Orioles, and I feel like anything less is going to be disappointing for you guys, uh, not me. But um, you know, at least at least take a two out of three. However, <laughs> however they want to do it is fine. But uh, I think no matter what, they're they're going to go in. And they're going to go in, and you know, maybe not maybe not kill them. I'm not going to say they're going to, you know you know, sweep them in grand fashion or anything like that. But uh, I think they're going to pull out a win however they want to get it done uh, for all games. I feel like that's that's the go-to for me right now. 
Uh, Cashner is a major league pitcher, and so I have some concern that he could come out and pretend. I mean, his ERA is, I looked it up about an hour ago. Um, oh, I can't four, remember off the top of my head. I'm, or, I'm sorry, is it Dylan? It's, who's in game one? Uh, uh, Cashner. Cashner. Yeah, I mean, so he's a major league uh, pitcher, so he's capable of a little bit more than the rest of that pitching rotation, but... Um, the the Red Sox notoriously slug in that ballpark. Mookie is uh, otherworldly in that ballpark. Um, I think he's hit for the cycle in that ballpark. I think he's a three home run game in that ballpark. Um, you know they, they and it's a band box, right? So um, you know I, I feel like they're gonna have a chance to win the game. I, you know I am a better. This is a t- sort of game I bet the over, which will probably be like either nine and a half to ten and a half runs. I take the over in that all day, um, but with the Orioles, let me let me just throw some stats to you to show how epically pathetic they are. Twenty-one and forty-seven with a point three oh nine. I just did the math. If you take their winning percentage and multiply it by one hundred sixty-two games, they're on pace to win fifty games. That's one hundred and twelve losses. They're twenty and a half games back. They're nine and twenty-five at home. They're actually worse at home than they are away. Um, and their run differential is negative 133, which is monumentally pathetic. Uh, the next closest team is the Detroit Tigers at negative 113. And then no one else is even remotely close to that. The next worst team is the Pirates at negative 88 run differential. This team sucks. They are pathetic. Uh, they're three out of their last seven. They've lost two in a row. There is absolutely no reason for you not to go in there and thump them. And this game uh, with Kashner poses a little bit more of a challenge because he is a major league arm, but you got to go in there and beat him. And um, look for Erod to hopefully get six innings with the way the bullpen was, was utilized today. I think that will be important moving forward to rebalance the health and uh, the arms, especially if we're about to lose Hembry, which is a real – dangerous possibility uh excellent point uh game two chris sale versus dylan bundy sale is coming off of uh seven innings zero earned runs this previous series with texas and then a nine game uh you know complete game performance against kansas city uh, so looking good there. His one start against Baltimore uh, earlier this year, uh, May 8th, was also dominant. Eight innings pitched, only gave up three hits, one earned run, struck out 14. So uh, Bundy is coming off of uh, three straight quality starts, but in three of his five starts last year, in a combined 14 innings, he gave up 15 earned runs. So this team has handed him his ass multiple times. He's got a four and a half ERA on the season. I would say this is about as close to a uh, sure thing <laughs> as as you could get. I'm waiting for the for the Red Sox generally uh, to start to show up in Chris Sale's starts because he's showing up for the Red Sox. Um. And I, I think, I mean, he's two and seven. He's lost so many games he should have won. He, he's done every. He's got 120 strikeouts. His, he's got a good whip. He, he's pitching deep into games. There's just no reason this, this game should be seven to one. 
in my opinion. Yeah, it absolutely should, and I I think it will be. Uh, you know, Sale is hitting a stride, and last year he hit it right about the the last week of May, and kind of stayed that way right up until the All Star game when he very abruptly went on the DL. But um, you know, he's on a similar pace this year. He's uh, you know he's not throwing stupid velocity for no reason. You know when he doesn't have to, and I I expect the Red Sox. He's being to... limited to a hundred pitches too. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's fine. He should be as well. So, um, I I think this game is is a, a shoe in for the Red Sox, and um, I'm not even worried about it. Game three, different story. Uh, we have a TBA pitcher, which could be. Um, it could be Josh Smith. It could be Mike Schwarren. Hopefully they don't call up Hernandez again. Um, Ryan Weber is still in the system. I know you're a big fan, Jeremy. Um, so that's a little concerning that, you know, one of those guys is probably going to get that start. And uh, we're basically facing the best pitcher on Baltimore staff that game as well, John Means, who has a 2 60 uh, ERA. He's coming off of uh, seven straight quality starts, and uh, he uh, his last three starts he uh, only gave up one run in in all of those. So um, pretty solid so far this year against the Red Sox. May six seven uh, full innings, three hits, one earned run, struck out four. Uh, he pitched uh, earlier in April. Um, on April 14th, five innings pitch, four hits, one earned run, one walk, only three strikeouts. He's not a strikeout guy by any means, but his uh, ground ball rate is uh, 40.1%. And I remember one of those games, it was just constant grounder, you know, to short or into a shift. And that that was the seven-inning game and just absolutely frustrating uh, to watch. So... Hopefully uh, we make a little bit better contact, but if we're going to drop a game, that's definitely it. Yeah, and the frustrating thing about this start was I think this was the targeted spot for Evaldi to be back. That's not happening. Uh, so this this is the game I think they lose if they lose a game. Um, with that said, look, you know, the Orioles suck. They don't defend. They don't hit. They got one guy with a sub three ERA. This is him. Um, you you would hope that whoever they do throw out there, it, it's a, it, it's a short leash because hopefully you get six out of Erod and seven out of Sale, and this can be a bullpen game if you need it to be. Um, the concern here for me is not necessarily if you win game one and two, I don't view Sunday as a must win against this guy. The problem is, if it is a bullpen game, you roll into Monday against the Twins, who are 45-22 and 22 and just rolling through everybody. And you set yourself up uh, to potentially fail on that very important series. So, uh, game one and two, hopefully are wins. Um, and hopefully they can find a way to, to solve this John Means guy. And, he, he, you know, he's a change-up guy. Uh, hopefully leaves a couple elevated and the band box and they and they they find a way to beat them and and hopefully whoever does start this game 
uh, can find a way to get through five innings so that we're, we're not handicapped going into that twin series. Absolutely. And I, the twins beat the shit out of us in Minnesota, no matter how bad or good they are. And I'm just not looking forward to that. I think Porcello lines up for uh, game one. So if he doesn't get his ass handed to him, he is a guy that could potentially go uh, deep into that game should Sunday, uh, you know, be a taxing uh, game for the bullpen. And hopefully we'll get a little bit more positive news on on Hembry between now and then as well. As far as use of the bullpen, I mean, would you guys support something kind of like what what Kevin Cash does or kind of like what they did today, you know, because David Price, like they only allowed each pitcher to go, you know, an inning or an inning and a third, you know, not very long. I mean, cause then, you know, you're not putting too much stress on them because obviously, I mean, the potential for them being needed during that twins series is going to be there. You know, if, uh, you know, if Porcel or anybody, you know, uh, you know, needs to get pulled early. I mean, would you say that would be a better option than, say, leaving a few pitchers in for a little longer than what they maybe should? You know, Liz, I really like that question. And my answer to that is if it's going to be a guy like Weber, who's been um, a zero for me in the last couple of podcasts, if you can relieve some stress by going the opener route, and let's say have Smith start and find a way through the first inning and then let Weber go in the second as long as he can. And let's say you maybe get 50 pitches out of him and you get to the fifth and you've only used Smith and Weber. Like that, that to me sets up well. But one, they haven't had any inclination to do it yet. Um, they don't seem to want to think outside the box in that regard. But I do like the idea, and I'd be all for it for at least them to to try it out, to figure out that fifth spot in the rotation because we don't have a fifth starter. So if it's going to become a bullpen game, why not try it? Why not try to relieve the pressure off of a guy like Weber who would potentially be a candidate to pitch in this game? Well, and two, like doing it that way doesn't put too much stress on them because most of the time each of those guys is going to end up throwing X number of pitches every day anyway. So if they just go in and they throw an inning, <clears throat> that's not going to put too much stress on them if they have to pitch the next day. Well, you're, so you're talking about a true bullpen game where you have every every arm throw one in, one or two innings. Something like the that. only pro the only problem with that is that Price fucked you today. And they've already done a bullpen game, that oh, a non-scheduled bullpen game. So if Price goes seven today, Erod goes six tomorrow. Sale does what he does, basically every time out on Saturday. I fine, but the because of Sale today, uh, it's going to be increasingly more difficult to go with that same approach Sunday, and then with with the Monday game. And then price on Tuesday, and you don't know, you know, now, well, maybe, maybe the team thinks they're going to get back to good price, but I have some concerns. I have, I have a problem throwing a second bullpen game in three days. So I like, I, I would go, I would go with the opener. I, I, you know, Smith. 
for the first inning and then load in Weber in the second and see if you can get 50 or 60 effective pitches out of him, take a little bit pressure off by by him not, you know, quote-unquote starting. Um, I, I, you know, the, the Devil Rays are finding success with it. You know, they're not fucking with their key guys. Their key guys start and they, you know, they go the 100 pitches. But when they have a need for it, uh, whether it's to take pressure off or to try to get to the sixth or seventh inning so they can set up their bullpen by going with a with a um, a reliever in the first inning. I, I mean, look, and the Devil Rays are out kicking the coverage. They're not that talented, in my opinion. They have talent. I, I'm not saying they're they're talentless, but they're better than they should be. And I think a lot of it has to do with the way Cash puts them in a in a in a position to succeed. This team doesn't seem to have any desire to try it or do it. You know, something just came to mind. I wonder if Price might be available for an inning or two that day where he kind of came out of this game, um, you know, with not that many pitches because he got lifted so quick. But um, you wouldn't, you definitely wouldn't start him, though, and keep that as his spot in the rotation because then you'd have three lefties, you know, Rodriguez, Sale, Price. But I just wonder in a pinch maybe if... Uh, Instead of a side session, they might use him. Uh, his one start against Minnesota last year wasn't bad, though. He um, he only had three uh, earned runs over six innings. So, um, you know, definitely a guy you're going to need in that series anyway. But just kind of a thought anyway. I agree with it. I mean, don't leave his side session for a live round. Um, I mean, hell, start him on Sunday if you think he can, if he wants to, if he has a willing. If he comes to you tomorrow and says, hey, let me have that start on Sunday, give it to him. He yeah. did it two weeks ago when he uh, when he had to leave for the flu. He pitched on, uh, he pitched three days later and was really good. Right. I, I, and maybe, maybe, by the way, that's why they haven't changed Sunday from a TBD to somebody else. Uh, now that the game's over, they haven't changed anything. Maybe they think he could pitch in that game. And I'd be okay with that, by the way. Absolutely 100%. You know, go go through a price in that series. Give the bullpen a rest, especially if you can get something out of Erod tomorrow and you're going to get what you're going to I feel strongly Sale will dominate this piece of shit lineup. So, uh, you know, I'm okay with that if, if Price is a willing participant. Yeah, or just even in metal relief, you know, if we get off to a decent enough start and you don't want to go. And by the way, if 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 they tell us, like if if right before we got on this podcast, they said, "Look, David, we're going to get fifty to sixty pitches out of David Price on Sunday," I would feel a lot better going in that they can win this game. So right, yeah, it could be. Every win's big right now, and the Yankees are sputtering their their starting rotation has just been junk the last week or so. And uh, Tampa has been skidding a little bit as well. So um, that now is the time to, to capitalize on this, you know, with the schedule the way it is uh, this month. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, I think we can wrap on that and uh, come back Sunday night to, uh, you know, talk about the Baltimore series and get ready for, uh, Minnesota. I think we can all agree on this podcast. Uh, go Sox. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I don't know if I can agree, but um. Terry, Terry, <laughs> cut that, and we got to figure out a way to have a drop. Like we got to start to ex- expand the technology here. Yeah. And that that we comment with, I mean, that thing should be played for the next whatever podcasts. I mean, we got to figure out a way. Oh. Tough moment for 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 uh, for Liz. Uh, you can only have so many favorite teams, but it seems as if the Red Sox are one of them. Anyways, to uh, to Red Sox Nation, uh, it's it all the others. It's just baseball now until September. So. Um, Hopefully the Red Sox feel the pressure of everyone now looking at them, and they 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 swing this shitty uh, a series against the shitty Orioles team into finally some momentum and, and starting to win some games. So go Sox, and hopefully we'll see you on Sunday after a sweep. Absolutely. Have a good night. All right. Good night, guys. Episode 142 in the books. Super late for me. I have to be up in less than three hours, so uh, that sucks even more. But uh, nonetheless, Sox salvage a sweep with Texas and will head to Baltimore for hopefully not much more than batting practice. So we'll see how that goes. Everyone have a uh, good uh, Friday and the rest of your weekend as well. And we'll see you Sunday night. Take care. That's where I long to be. I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of insanity. I live and die with Red Sox right for eternity. I sleepwalk through the day. Say